Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. So remember those days when you would watch wrestling in the 1990s and Steve Austin would be injured and the, the medical staff would say, no, Steve, you can't wrestle. Or, or maybe when Bret Hart got taken out by, uh, by Owen, when Owen kicked his leg out from his leg and he was never going to enter the Rumble and he said, no, I can make it. And he hobbled down to ringside and he made it. And you know what? He darn well won it. That's me today, folks. Hello, I'm Lemsip Rob McNichol, joined by Showbiz Paul Benson to try and get through uh, an edition of the Hooked On podcast. Um, some would say that I sound as well as I've ever sounded, but uh, that's not how I feel. Uh, but we're going to get through it together uh, like troopers, aren't we, Paul? Yeah, we are, Rob. Hello, everybody. Uh, Rob is going to be very delicate today, so I fear that I might have to do a lot of the heavy lifting which won't be very, um, it'll be quite alien to Rob to let me talk excessively because that's not really how he likes to play it. But um, the guy has absolutely lost his voice. We missed last week uh, because he literally couldn't speak uh, and he's, ab- he's he's dragged himself off his deathbed um, to come and, come and entertain us here tonight. So Rob, credit to you, mate. Thank you very much. The good thing is with wireless headset technology is if I, if I need to lie in my deathbed at any point, uh, I can do, uh, and I can rely on that for uh, for temporary. Yes, last week I had com- literally completely lost my voice. Hurrah, says everyone else. But uh, I could not speak whatsoever. This week it's obviously depleted and diminished. But uh, quite frankly, everyone, um, me and Paul have never been so despondent to not be able to talk to you all last week oh. because it was the busiest week of news in wrestling history. Um, no, that's not far off of a hyperbole. No, not really. Not actually, really. Actually, genuinely might have been. Plus... We're in the we're in the midst of an incredible um, point of hooked on history as well, uh, just for sheer number of uh, of shows. Do you know when we get to that bit during the show, everyone, where we have to do some plugging of shows? Twenty two Paul's got to do today. That's going to be fun. At least it'll give me a, <laughs> give me a half hour break anyway while he goes through all that. Um, but uh, no, some really cool stuff um, coming at you from uh, from hooked on that you can join us with. Um, all over the place, uh, not just in London, although that's where it's going to be uh, uh, the main activity going on, but there's uh, plenty of other stuff going on all over the country. Some new uh, venues for the Royal Rumble and a new uh, event that we're going to be covering and all different stuff, so it's all good. We'll get to that in due course. Um, but it feels like, I want to say, Paul, what's been, the, what's been the biggest piece of news then in the last two to three weeks? What in, in terms of, like, if, if someone said to you, right, I've literally not looked at any sort of wrestling for three weeks all over the world, what's been going on? What's well, your lead item? What do you say? I'll tell you what, mate, this has happened. Well, where do we start, man? What I will say is, in, in what other week could you imagine Pete Dunne making his Monday Night Raw debut and that being maybe the sixth most important story of the week? It's Way down pre- there pretty remarkable but no 
to be honest, you know, how many times did we text each other over the week and just go, holy shit? Um, you know, Triple H going and appearing in ICW. One of the biggest moments, one of the biggest surprise moments in the history of British wrestling. Doesn't crack the top two. The top two clearly are um, Chris Jericho announcing that he's going to wrestle Kingdom to face Kenny Omega in January. What a what an unbelievable from a business point of view. We'll we'll talk about that more in depth later. But from a business point of view, what a, a what an announcement. Possibly the biggest piece of news in ten years in terms of the business of WWE and the individual matches. And then of course we had the big one, SmackDown, uh, Manchester Arena on Tuesday. We had the first ever WWE world title change on UK soil. The end of the reign of the modern day Maharaja. Jinder was finally hindered and AJ Styles to rapturous applause took the WWE title and what a moment that was who saw that coming not many people uh, well I think once they'd sort of suddenly made that match there seemed to be a, a something bubbling up that perhaps there was a, a bit of a panic on about the Survivor Series card hence why AJ was in there but yeah it was a, it was a big moment I think if you looked at if you look to wrestling in a sort of kayfabe manner, um, because you, you could probably argue that this first one was a bigger deal, really, but um, it's the biggest result ever in, in British wrestling behind, or sort of just in front of Bretton Bulldog, you'd say. Yeah. Really, in, 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 yeah. In, I mean, obviously, I think in the history of wrestling, if we look at it from a business perspective, Bretton Bulldog are going to be considered two bigger stars, and um, the, the nature of the match at, at SummerSlam would, would be obviously a bigger deal than a, a SmackDown match, but... Um, it's the first big title change. So as you say, it's a, it's a massively historic moment. And and the thing that you've not even mentioned is the fact that we're we're talking here Thursday night, three nights before Survivor Series, and we've just had a little chat before coming on air, and we're saying to one another, is this the best card on paper that WWE have produced in like 15 years? Yep. In all, <coughs> excuse me. In all seriousness. It is absolutely ball-bustingly amazing what what a card this is. Now there is always the chance that some ludicrous booking and some you know weird title changes or not title changes but some weird activities or injuries or all sorts of things can um, can make this go downhill. It's not a great card until it's actually happened. But on paper, man alive, this is an incredible Survivor Series. So so yeah, so you've not even scratch the surface I suppose in, in no. terms of everything that's happened in the last few weeks but um, I was always encouraged when uh, as a journalist if writing a, a match report you know for a football match always consider basically if you walked into the pub and someone went alright mate what was the game like this afternoon you wouldn't start by saying it was a lovely sunny day and people walked to the ground and blah 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 you, you, you know don't be flowery go straight to the point with the biggest news and the news is this team beat this team by this score and these people scored so you go in with the headline news and then you colour in the bits afterwards. And yeah, I think you'd end up saying, um, oh, it's Survivor Series this weekend and it's a brilliant card, but oh, by the way, AJ Styles is the champion. What? Why didn't you start with that? Oh, and uh, Jericho's wrestling Omega. Hey, what? There, there is, it's, a, it's a sort of co-main news, isn't it? What? Whatever you don't lead with, you kind of go, well, why didn't you tell me that first? Um, so we actually did, if you recall, mention Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega on this podcast about four weeks ago but I think like many people that saw Kenny and Chris having a bit of a go back and forth on Twitter and assumed it was a work we thought A it's probably just two lads just messing around yep. but B if anything 
it's Jericho trying to put himself in a position to be Omega's opponent at WrestleMania should that happen and we were saying well you know Kenny's probably not going to go to WWE just yet but if he does Jericho's a perfect first opponent blah 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 it never crossed our mind in our English speaking North American Western world um, centric minds it never crossed our mind that Jericho was going to Japan not for one second and it changes everything it, it you know obviously the, the, there's been a lot of shifting sands in the, in the business and the and, and and what workers can get out of um wrestling outside of the WWE bubble um and it's been there just under the surface for a very long time um it's clear there's a reason why guys like the young books why omega marty skirl plenty of others of kota ibushi Zack Sabre Jr. They've all um, avoided going to WWE on a on a long-term contract, which was unheard of just a couple of years ago. They finally got into a position where you know that Bullet Club brand is bigger than anything in WWE. Surely, like you know, take out take out John Cena and you know maybe a couple of others, and there can't be much more of a lucrative trademark in the wrestling world than Bullet Club. So it kind of makes sense that they'd make a play for Jericho rather than the way around you know instead of having that match be sort of seventh from the top at Wrestlemania why not have it be the biggest match on the biggest card outside of WWE of all time it makes so much sense but it slapped us around the face and it was it was just to the point where I think I told you this Rob over text I was sat there on a Sunday just digesting the Triple H and ICW stuff um and I saw Jericho put that out on, I think, Instagram. I dismissed it. I just didn't even think about it for a second. I just thought, oh, it's like, you know, you remember that AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels post that was doing the rounds at the Royal Rumble this year? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just thought it was that. Didn't think anything of it. Um, and it was only sort of when I started looking at the news in a few forums later on, and it was like, no, this is real, this is real. And then I saw it actually being a video uh, announcement on the New Japan show, and I was like, holy shit! And that was when I fell off my chair. Uh, I watched the announcement, you know, I, I saw someone say, this is incredible, and I clicked the button and I watched the announcement. So, I mean, I knew what was coming because I read a, you know, I read a ca- caption. I didn't, you know, watch the, um, watch it sort of blind, but um, I only had 10 seconds to take it in, and suddenly I was watching this video of Omega, and then um, you know the, the screen changes, and, and what the coolest thing was was the reaction. I thought was that you know I know Jericho has worked in Japan, but not on a regular basis for a very long time, and it shows you know there's sometimes some people are a little bit snobby. One people can be snobby one way or another. Well, some people can dismiss Japan as being its own little thing, and others, especially when it's it's time to get on the cool train, you know start you know assuming the, the interest. Oh, isn't Japan wonderful? Isn't Japan wonderful? And sort of. You know, bury WWE or the rest of the wrestling world to uh, um, to one side. Actually, I think you can be a little bit of both. You can enjoy both and you can respect both. But what sometimes people will tell you is that the Japanese audience don't really know WWE. John Cena wouldn't be a big deal, they say, because Jap- mm. Japan has its own thing. It's bollocks, quite frankly, because the world is getting smaller and particularly places like Japan want to be kind of westernised. Hence yep. why you... Ever, you know. 20 years ago, you'd only be able to get Japanese food. Now there's a McDonald's in every street corner in, in Tokyo and it's this happens now and those fans went mad when Jericho came up on the screen they knew who it was they understood the context it was a huge reaction 
And they chanted. Here's the other thing I saw people go, oh yeah, well they would have recognised from his stints before in Japan. Well, why did they chant Y2J then? And not Lionheart. Do you know what I mean? Is that they chanted Y2J. They knew exactly who it was. They knew Fair the significance point. of why he was up there. And they went mad. It was a brilliant moment. It was wonderfully done. And here's the greatest thing about Jericho. And there are many great things about Chris Jericho. He is such a genius when it comes to these sorts of announcements. That even trailing it on Twitter. Even going back and forth with Kenny. Still no one saw it coming. This was not a rumour that's been knocking around for ages. This was not Sting's nope. going to turn up at Survivor Series. This is not Undertaker's going to interfere in Rock versus Triple H. Whatever it might be, the sort of, oh, you know, Undertaker's going back to the dead man, Kane's appearing on Raw, all sorts of little things always get leaked out. No one was hit, no one, well, say no one, I'm sure there would have been a few people, but you know, generally speaking, this was not known. This was not out there, and Jericho is just continually proving what a genius he is. And I would just wonder how long this has been in the works because, you know, Don Callis, out of the wrestling business for decades or more, or at least a decade, comes back to do a podcast with Lance Storm this year on the Jericho Network. Then Don Callis, out of nowhere, gets the co-commentator's job on New Japan. And within a few months, Jericho's working against Kenny Omega, two Winnipeg guys, and oh wait, Don Callis is from Winnipeg. And it's like, that is an extraordinary turn of events. Um, that I don't think is unconnected, and you know, fair play to them all for working whatever they've worked. Oh, it's um, I don't know. Nobody's gonna. You no, know, Jericho never gives too much away, does he, about the shenanigans behind the scenes? But there's clearly, apparently, it's been in the works for quite some time since around August. Um, I don't know what Callis's role in it is, but it's just. You know, what what an incredible feat to keep it so quiet. I'd love to have seen WWE's reaction when they found out, whether they found out before the announcement or not. I'm sure they're not exactly quaking in their boots, but you know, it's a shot across their bows. You know, it's they've obviously been very well aware of what New Japan's doing for a while, and this is the you know the proverbial next level. So I if they're not taking it carefully, they need to. I think they'll be delighted. Do you think? Yep. Yeah. Because I think they'll bring Jericho back for WrestleMania. And I think Jericho is... I don't think this is a long-term... I mean, I don't know. But I would suspect this is not a... Jericho goes to New Japan for two years. I would suspect this is Jericho goes to New Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. I would agree with you. And I think I think Jericho will be on WrestleMania. As a, as a bigger name than he was this time last year, if you can believe that. I think there'll be somewhat... I think he'll wrestle a Finn Balor... Or someone like that at WrestleMania. You know, wow. Balor, they are really protecting Balor, by the way, at the moment. Bear in what, mind, AJ Styles. They, uh, they don't consider that being a big deal because Kane's massive, so Kane should be beating little guys. In terms of protecting his name, Finn Balor beat AJ Styles the other week cleanly, and AJ Styles is now a world champion who they are painting as an credible opponent for Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman dropped Finn Balor's name as being possibly the best wrestler in the world on Monday night. Um, generally speaking, they protect Finn Balor. Although, well, but don't forget, the Demon didn't lose to Kane, did he? Finn Balor lost to Kane. True, true. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I, I imagine they could have Demon Finn Balor versus Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. And they could say, you know, Jericho went to Japan. Well, here's another, here's another guy that's been to Japan, blah, blah, blah. You could do that. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying it's... A real, real possibility of what could be a great match built up brilliantly. I don't see why they wouldn't do that. It's a, it's a really, it's a real credible way to go. 
Well, it's one way to, you know, one way to take the sales out of New Japan's, um, sorry, the win out of New Japan's sales could be doing Chris Jericho against Kenny Omega. Well, they could. I mean, they could be doing that. I mean, if I don't think it will happen personally, but I, I don't. Know. I don't know when Omega's contract thing is. I mean, and, and it's, no idea. You know, he's, he is obviously the biggest um, name that's out there that's not in WWE. Um, but what I like is that it, um, you know, we look at it from our own perspective as well. And you know, me and you were talking. Oh, in fact, that's first of all. Before I talk about that, let's talk about what we're doing for it. We we made a decision, didn't we? Within the 24 hours after Jericho's announcement, <laughs> within about two, to be honest. Well, we've got to we, we've got to get in on this. But I'm saying within 24 hours, the idea had been created, mooted, put out there, and fully formed and signed and, and delivered within you know that short space of time. So essentially, it's not exactly the same as all the other hooked on parties, and it will only be the one happening. But Wrestle Kingdom. It's coming to hooks on wrestling, Paul. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, we just sat there, and it, you know, the, the term is capturing the zeitgeist. And I saw over the wrestling world going gaga over it, so I thought we can't not, we can't not give this a go. Um, so we tested the waters, and you lot went mad, um, and you pretty much forced our hands into doing it. So yeah, within, within within just a couple of hours, we had the word out there. The next morning, we put the event on Facebook, and I've never seen anything like it the numbers of uh, interested or people who said they were going I believe already already or very close to surpasses our biggest Wrestlemania event ever um, and that was done within the space of about three days unbelievable and I've not put a penny of promotion behind it yet not a bean it's been completely natural um, so thank you guys first of all really pleased that you like our idea now please just convert that interest into into support because there's a lot of people taking a punt on this um us and the bar namely the bar is very weirded out about could, the idea of can i just say that's not that's not seamus and cesaro the grand they're uh they're, the idea of opening at eight o'clock in the morning on a thursday for a wrestling event i tell you it took some convincing it's a good job they've got their promotions manager chris who's a big wrestling fan who was able to go to bat for us but what I'll say is we've said this has gone wild, guys. This has gone wild. Now, please show us that we're not talking about our backsides and put your hands in your pockets. Get those tickets. And once you're there, buy some drinks because that's the only way we can carry on doing these. If you want to see Wrestle Kingdom and you want to see us do all this sort of stuff like this, show us, support us, support the bar. It's the only way we can do it. So um, we think it's going to be a great, great no, uh, morning our breakfast brunch club um, but we can only do that with you guys show up I, I'm, I have to ask an important question here and I don't know the answer to this so this is about this is the kind of thing that you could hate me for because I could be putting some sort of spanner in the works I'm, I am speaking on behalf of the people here um, you turn about turn up support the event buy some drinks um, is there is there a bacon butty on offer? Yes, there is, Rob. So that, 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 at, at that point, at that point of the day, people are not thinking necessarily, you know, a couple of pints in. A few people will. I'm not judging you if that's how you feel. Because by the time the show comes towards the end, it'll be early afternoon. Um, so that's okay. You can have a couple. But I'm thinking people are more thinking coffee and a bacon but butty. This reminds me of England playing in a World Cup. Exactly. Remember when we, playing in when Japan. We, when, we played, Japan. When, when we played in Japan against Brazil, I had my last. A level that day. <laughs> that nice. game, that that game kicked off at half past seven in the morning, and my last A level was nine o'clock. No, so the, the Brazil game was a bit later in the day. No, it wasn't. You sure? 
Okay, hundred percent. Half past seven in the morning. My exam was at nine, and we lobbied, and we got our exam moved from no. nine to half past nine, so we could watch the football. But they said, but if it goes for extra time, Get you know, you're, you're screwed. So, and I, I remember timing it. It was eight minutes between the final whistle going, England getting knocked out of the World Cup, and me <laughs> sat in front, and me sat in front of my uh, desk, nice. being told turn your papers over. Uh, I got an A. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. But um, but, it, but it was a tough it was a tough ask but anyway that's, that's what it reminded me of so yes I, I went to school at 7 in the morning watched the game on a big screen in our sports hall had a bacon sarni and a cup of tea and then went and did the exam it was a very strange strange and surreal experience but very cool cool enough for me to be able to remember it 15 years later and tell you you know as if I was still there so I think this is a cool experience this is not just the show it's going to be a great show if you've never seen Wrestle Kingdom never seen New Japan it's amazing they go right to town on their big shows you're going to love it anyway forget Jericho and Omega you'd love it anyway but this should be such a cool experience I'm really really hoping I can make it we've been talking about whether or not I'm not sure if I can get there but if I can it's going to be such a cool experience well let me explain what we're going to do for you then guys so first of all um, I'll address the format of the day obviously because it's quite early we're not going to do our normal pre-show shenanigans like we normally do that which wouldn't make any sense having you guys in there at 5 or 6 in the morning (laughs) so what we're going to do is we're going to open the doors at 7 um, Wrestle Kingdom starts its pre-show at 8 so we're going to give you an hour to mill around and get sorted and then get the pre-show on and going um, we'll run it through until the end of the pay-per-view whenever that might be then afterwards we're going to have a little bit of a different tack to normal we're going to do um, we're going to do a little panel we're going to do a little discussion panel uh, it's going to be hosted by Patrick Lennon from the Daily Star Fighting Talk who? Um, Patrick Lennon well, no, the, the name doesn't ring a bell. No, no, no. He's 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 he's, he's relatively well known, um, and he's going to host a panel of experts that may or may not include Rob McNichol, um, if he makes it, and uh, they're going to talk about what they've seen, you know, invite questions from the audience, um, and then just talk about wrestling in general and get like a bit of a state of the union. It's been a very exciting times to be a wrestling fan, especially in the early part of January. So uh, it could be a really interesting way to to end the day. Um, in terms of ticketing, what we're going to do is this. Um, because it is a little bit early in the day, we've had to bump the prices up to account for the fact that people aren't going to spend as much money behind the bar. Sorry, guys, I know that's a bit, um, I know that's a bit sort of crass to be talking money, but that's the pure economics of running a, running a company like this, and we've had to go in with this. So what we're going to do, we're going to the ticket. We think the ticket uptake is going to be massive, so we're going to do it this way. We're going to first of all on. Wednesday morning next week Wednesday the 22nd I believe yep Wednesday the 22nd at 9am we are going to release our elite tickets okay first of all and what these elite tickets are they are guaranteeing you a seat with the best view in the house um, they're guaranteeing you a nice table and all that to sit down with and included in that ticket you'll also get a bacon or sausage sandwich or vegetarian equivalent or uh, and a pint of orange juice or a pint of beer dead simple that's going to be 15 quid it's going to be 15 pounds for that you can also at the same time you can buy, buy our bullet club balconies um for uh four people table for four um or our alpha tables which are balconies for four or balconies for three which are our amiga tickets um, they're all explained in more detail on ringsideworld.co.uk but essentially all those that I've just mentioned include that food and pint um, 
and they're all 15 quid per person but if you want to all sit together you want to book one of those bullet club balconies at least so you can all get sat guaranteed all hunched around a table with a great fantastic view um once they've all gone then we'll release general admission tickets as well and they're probably going to be slightly cheaper and without the uh, the drinks and the butties included um butties are going to be limited because we're getting a private caterer in so frankly if you want um some food included within your package you want to get involved in these uh in these special tickets that are on sale at first otherwise you might not get fed i want to say right now i want to be the first one to do it because someone will do it on the day and i'm just claiming ownership right now we know that someone who's doing these packages is going to send back their sausage sandwich and go, there's something wrong with this. And we're going to say, what's wrong with it? And someone's going to go, they're too sweet. So I just want to say that <laughs> we, we, we know now that that's going to happen. Okay? Very so, but, um, good, very good. Other, other than that, God, I love the branding of the Elite. When you said Elite tickets, I, I sort of went, oh, that's quite good because there's an Elite. And then, and then I realised it was on purpose. And, it was <laughs> and I was very, very proud of you because it's all Bullet Clubs and Alpha and Omega and, and whatever. That's jolly Not good. just a hat stand, mate. No. I like it, I like it, I like it. Um, so listen, guys, you've got to come along. I mean, if, you, if you've got the chance to get the morning off, or and listen, it's January the 4th, you might still be off. I don't know what your everyone's situation, everyone has different work situations, but it's a Thursday, it's January the 4th, chances are there'll be a hell of a lot of people listening to this that don't go back until the following Monday. Um, so wherever you are, you might, you might have a couple of days off, a little bit easier to get yourself to London, you know, treat yourself, come up, stay the night before, you know, have a good night out in London and then come the following morning and, and enjoy that. It's just give yourself an excuse. Nice little Christmas present to someone. Um, little excuse for the new year. Seriously, because you're never going to get to do this again. Well, I'm not saying never, because you might be an amazing Wrestle Kingdom next year and we might do Wrestle Kingdom next year. There's, there's always a chance. But, you know, generally you don't know. You don't know what our situation is going to be. You don't know what yours is going to be. If you've got a chance, man life, come and do it. Um, you, you can tell the fact that... Um, Paul's not sure of my attendance by the fact that he's already booked Pat mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but fair play and if I if I can make it then it'll be um, it'll be really cool to share a stage with Pat for the first time I've never done that before um, so that'd be really cool um, but uh, yes and so that'll be um, uh, amazing um, we're half an hour into this podcast and Paul and I agreed before we came on that we'd start by talking about Survivor Series <laughs> that went well and so that that is well, but uh, but what a lovely illustration of exactly what we were talking about at the top of the show, which is, you know, what to start with. So we were going to talk about Survivor Series first, and we've gone headlong into Jericho versus Omega. But let's do Survivor Series. We're not going to, as we always talk about here on the Hooked On podcast, we're not going to go match by match, breakdown by breakdown, who's going to win with what finisher, blah blah blah. But we will touch on a couple of the uh, couple of the matches individually. But first of all, Paul, give us a your quick overview. Of, um, since we've been doing some plugging, we'll do one more little bit now. But uh, this is your quick overview on what we're doing for Survivor Series, and then once we finish talking about the card itself, come back and tell us some more specifics. Yeah. Okay, mate. So essentially, we're going to be in seven venues this time. We've got three parties in uh, Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, Cardiff, Nottingham, and Birmingham at the Shooters. There, they're not going to be our normal parties. To be fair, we're going to have the uh, we're going to have some WE tunes. We're going to have the uh, we're going to have the pre-show on from 10 o'clock, and then we're going to show the event in Leeds and Manchester. We're also going to have a WWE 2K18 station for you guys to have a play with as well. Um, so that'll be quite cool. Um, in London, we're doing something that's a bit more traditional. We're going to do uh, we're going to do our usual party bump. There is a cost to that, seven pounds a ticket, but you get, it's a lot, still a lot cheaper than we normally uh, we normally do. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give out the the uh, the 
um, discount code as well. I haven't done this on the podcast yet. If you go and buy a ticket from ringsideworld.co.uk for our London party, you can get that £7 ticket, but you can get it 30% off if you use the promo code red blue all capital letters red blue um so that brings that price down a, a, even more um rob can't grace with his presence in london this time so we've uh, we've drafted in a replacement um i haven't found him a, an interpreter yet but we've got kenny mcintosh from inside the ropes um who's down in london for the kevin nash tour uh, kevin nash spoken word event the next night who's graciously agreed to stand in for rob um like i say we're probably going to need to put subtitles on the screen um, but I'm sure he'll do a grand job anyway. So thank you, that Kenny, for stepping in. Highly, highly offensive. Even <laughs> as, an, as an Englishman with Scottish roots, that is highly offensive to uh, to Kenny, who uh, will do an excellent job. He certainly will. He, he really will. He's very, Kenny's very good and he's very experienced. He's brilliant, man. He's brilliant. My, I'm ever so slightly concerned he'll be better than me. So um, I'm, on one hand, I'm suggesting it's wrong of you to... Uh, to uh, talk down our standing host. On the other hand, I'm thinking that's good. Just start, start planting seeds in people's minds already that he's crap and uh, they want McNickelback. But actually, um, they won't really know the difference. McNickelback, by the way, is a Scottish tribute act to Chad Kroger. Oh, thank um, you. Um, but uh, <laughs> that was for. Uh, I, can't, I can't claim originality there. When uh, I used to do a podcast years ago, do you remember AJ Kirsch? She was on yep. Tough Enough. Um, AJ used to be on the same podcast as me. And AJ's. Fame, favorite band in the whole world is, is Nickelback, and uh, and I I used to do the bit of the bit of the show after him, and he would refer to me as McNickelback. So it was uh, fantastic. Uh, it's not an original. That's a, that's an AJ Kirsch from Tough Enough line. But uh, there we go. Um, so yeah, no. Listen, Ken, I can't make it, but Kenny will be great, and uh, uh, he'll do a good job. Um, so yeah, for, for the ones all over the rest of the country, they're free. Um, so come along it's a good chance for you it's a bit of a sample our wares sort of thing it's a cut down version and we're sort of looking at it as the sort of in the in your house as far as hooked on is concerned compared to our normal uh, you know big show presentation but uh, you should have a good time anyway and part of the whole thing of coming to our shows if you're on your own if you're with people it's the social aspect uh, of doing these listen I will say this I wish this card had been well known to everyone oh, man alive. Th- three, three months ago because we would have done the full set I think this would have been a normal and if they're going to do this every year then perhaps next year Survivor Series goes on to our well, onto our canon as, as a proper full show I don't I know I think but... it might well you know the last two years have been pretty blockbuster um, mm. do you know I always, it's funny I always used to say that Survivor Series has become the video game <coughs> pay-per-view so you, like, you had Sting come in a couple of years ago and he was the unlockable character you had Goldberg last year when he was the unlockable character well this year they've just gone the whole hog and they've booked it like you were booking WWE 2K18 on universe mode and you just put the best possible card together without really any thought behind the build and the consequences and you've just gone sod it this is what I want to see so they've gone a bit of a different route to plug WWE 2K18 this time they've even gone that bit where you've forgotten to change one of the matches and they've left Miz versus Baron Corbin in by mistake I love the fact that um, this is this really really weird with with the ten man tag. There's this really weird split between one, two, three, four, five people that were big names ten to fifteen years ago, and there are all more, and there are five people that are that are, uh, you wouldn't even have heard. Well, you would have heard of, but in a WWE mode, you'd say they're never going to get to WWE, let alone be in a main event. So the fact that let's move on into the new century with Triple H, Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle, 
John Cena and Randy Orton. Boring. Change the channel. Where's the new guys? Well, actually, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura. How <laughs> batshit crazy. Imagine sat there two or three years ago having a conversation saying, you know what, I reckon there'll be a there'll be a main event of wrestle main event of WWE that's gonna have Rude, Nakamura, Balor and Joe on it. We wouldn't have known who Strowman we wouldn't have known who Strowman was. But like that is just it's unthinkable. You, it is literally unthinkable. Can you believe that on that SmackDown team the youngest guy on the team is Randy Orton? No, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Youngest guy on the team. I suppose he would be, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously Rude and Nakamura are newcomers, but they're not spring chickens. So yeah, right. Well, in fact, in, in fact, all the way across the across the match, how old is Strowman? Uh, Strowman's young. Strowman's young. Strowman's in his twenties, I believe. Right, okay. uh, so Strowman will be the youngest in the match. I'm pretty sure. I'm just going to look. Because what's it up ba- what's Balor's about? Balor's, 37. Oh, actually, actually, Braun Strowman's 34. He's a bit older than I thought. Actually, okay. um, I thought he was in his I thought he was in his late twenties. Finn Balor is um, 36. Braun okay. Strowman. I'd say, I'd say I'd say Joe's knocking around 40. Yeah, it's going to be in that ballpark. Is he? Randy Orton's 37, so he's only a year older than Balor. Balor's. Uh, so you've got Strowman Balor as the two youngest and then yeah. let's just have a quick look yeah Joe Joe's 38 so Randy Orton is the third youngest in the match actually that's crazy isn't it when you think about it well, isn't it but there is, there is a big difference between TV age and real age I don't mean the kayfabe in their ages no, by no, way. I mean, I mean you if you've been on television for 15 years or you've been on television for 15 months it makes a big difference in of terms of your, your age we always just said that about Batista you know Batista was when, even when he became Deacon Batista, he was about 37, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, so he arrived at a, a much, much older age. And there's been other people like that, Dallas Page, and you know, various others that have been, you know, well up there before um, appearing on. Or of course, the the great Ernest Miller as well, of course. Um, but uh, we, this is us saying all this about that um, that um, match. Oh, we've never believed Bobby Roode. We've never believed Prince Devitt. We'd never believe this. But the main, well. In fact, that's a point. What's the main event of the show? Is it the elimination match or is it the title v title match? Because I'm slightly more interested in the title v title. But dream match upon dream match upon dream match. AJ Styles versus oh. Brock <laughs> Lesnar. I mean, geez. hold I mean, me, Rob. Hold appro- me. Appropriately, this will be something to look at, listeners, and me and Paul might have a look after the show. When's the last time the main event? of a WWE show was not only the two current champions or something similar but two former IWGP heavyweight champions good spot good spot yeah I, yeah, I bet that I'd be surprised if that's, that's happened, happened before previously um, no I, I, I God, no it probably hasn't I can't think of any time yeah great spot so I mean that's a that's something in, in itself but um, I I cannot wait for that because they, mate, they love AJ. WWE love AJ Styles. Big time. He is not. Oh, let's let's put someone. Nakamura is a little bit. Let's have someone around that they the fans sort of like, but we don't get it. You know, there's a little bit of that about Nakamura. I would agree with that. AJ is um, a bona fide WWE superstar. They absolutely adore him, and yeah. if he'd have gone straight from TNA, they might not have had the same thing. But I tell you what, they love Joe as well. So, I mean, it's the two of them, we've known it for years, and maybe it's they needed to be this this far in their career to really get it, I don't know. Maybe if they'd have done this five years ago, it just wouldn't have worked out for whatever reason. But, 
You know, the two of them are bona fide megastars now. And are, they are going to get... I, still, I think Brock Lesnar's going to win, but yes, they are, going to get, they are going to give AJ Styles a bit of a star-making performance here. I, well, not, I don't think it's going to be as close as you'll ever get. I think Brock Lesnar will probably win cleanly in about 12 to 14 minutes, but I think they'll they'll show AJ to you know to look really really strong I don't see AJ's gonna I don't think he'll try the Styles Clash um, <laughs> I don't think that'd be a very bright uh, thing nope. to do but uh, I suspect you'll hit a you'll hit a forearm Pele. or two you'll hit a forearm or two and a Pele or two and a you know a, a calf killer and a 450 and all of AJ's uh, well, repertoire the... and I think let, Lesnar will get the, get the win in the end but I agree. Sorry, mate. Sorry, I'm I'm bussing in here, but um, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. The bald truth of it is that Lesnar doesn't really have great matches anymore, and it's a real shame. It's just not the way he is. AJ will absolutely provide the energy in that match, and he'll he'll make it something special. But it's not going to be what it might have been even three or four years ago when Lesnar first came back before all the Suplex City stuff started. But I, you know, I I agree with you. It's going to be a, just over ten minutes. It's going to be relatively one-sided with AJ getting his spots in and it's going to be you know you can just I can just see the finish now it's going to be a flying forearm a phenomenal forearm caught into the F5 good night clean as a whistle and mm. I'm uh, and look mate I would take five minute squash between these two over Brock Lesnar against Jinder Mahal any day of the week well there is that um, I'm going to do my little Debbie Downer routine here at um, at this stage and it is a minor one um, but it, this is my little whinge about Survivor Series. It is a little one, and I'm not suggesting that it's uh, going to bring down the show. Ultimately, if you're throwing yourself into a real sporting world, um, what's the point? What's the consequences? If Raw beats SmackDown, who cares? If Brock Lesnar beats AJ or AJ beats Brock Lesnar, who cares? No one loses a belt. No one loses their show. You can quote bragging rights, but do the fans really care about that? Um, the nearest... I'm a little bit surprised what they've not done a little bit more with Raw and SmackDown is like a kind of Ryder Cup thing. You know, to, to make it not just the... You know, to have a sort of a system where during the night you get a certain amount of points for winning a yeah, certain amount yeah, of matches and stuff and build it up so when you get to the final match you've got... You know, it's all to play for and it's Brock versus AJ and it's nine points all or whatever and it's... You know this match is worth two points, and whoever wins gets you the gets you the overall. Th- uh, do you know what I mean? There'll be some uh, just something little that's extra that they can, because there's no real reason other than liking AJ or Brock to want someone to win the match. But then I suppose you could argue that every match that's not for a title, you know, falls under the same thing. So I, I am I am being deliberately picky. I I, don't, I know that I'm uh, um, doing a bit of a devil's advocate thing. I just wish they had some sort of you know. Um, in some sort of way of saying this is this, this it's important because of this, but still, I'm not complaining. It's not a it's not a valid complaint. It's, it should be awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I was very picky about it, and sniffy about the bill. I I I'm not going to go into it, but I despise the fact that brand loyalty trumps all other emotion and motivation in WWE superstars. I think it's the most ridiculous story trope they can go with, but. I'm willing to put that aside for this pay-per-view because it's just been so incredible in a vacuum um, that I could not give a monkeys. Well, there is a lot. There's a lot of that actually because um, it, this is the spirit for. Um, um, <coughs> sorry, there's the spirit for suspending disbelief and for putting these things to one side. You know, there's a bit of almost like an amnesty on these kind of things at this point because 
Why is the free agent guy on SmackDown? <laughs> why? Why? Why is he on SmackDown? If you're going to have him be on either brand, why didn't you make it a four-week storyline of what side scene is going to be on? Yeah. And then you know, just he comes ends up being on SmackDown. And why is the COO who's you know responsible for both brands on Raw? Now the answer to that is probably because his missus is from Raw. So he's supporting her. But, you know, I think you could kind of go, oh, hang on. Does that mean that Triple H doesn't give a toss about SmackDown? And it's like, well, actually, Triple H is a heel, though. So does that mean that I like Raw more? And it's like, the more you start thinking about it, actually, you go, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Triple H is the match, pretty cool. Yep. That's, um, that's, so all it that's what That's kind of what you need to do. And just do the, and you just wonder if there would, you know, there's been chat for a little while, you know, that, that Triple H and Angle is on the cards at some stage, you know, this is where we might find out. Maybe we might find out. Yeah, I think you know, a, a little bit more in this particular little in this particular match, and then I, think... I can see I can see Steph firing Kurt. I can see SmackDown winning this match. Steph firing Kurt on Monday. Triple H beating the shit out of him, uh, and Kurt returning at the Rumble. Yeah, I can I can see or, something, or, or, something, or, or quite, something like that. Something similar. I think Jason Jordan's going to be a factor as well. I thought, yeah. you know, there's a lot, you know, that promo, by the way, on Raw, where they got Jordan out and Triple H in. Overall, it was not a good promo. The delivery wasn't great, but it was a very good, effective spot to start a heel turn with. It was great, you know, it made perfect sense. The the father and 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 general manager putting the other guy out, um, it, the injured son pleading for his chance, and then the decision being taken off. The, uh, the the manager stroke father I thought it was a really really nice setup but the execution kind of let it down doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because it can still be a good kicking off point for, for what comes next between Triple H uh, Kurt Angle Jason Jordan um, I'm looking forward to it very minor side side point here I, I don't understand why are they booing Jordan because he's um, bland and boring, um, and I don't think they like. But he's not. He's, he's not though, is he? He's all right. He's pretty good. He's all right. No, he's, pre- he's pretty good. He's. I think he's. I think he's pretty good. He's... I. Do, I hate this. I hate this um, bandwagon thing. As soon as a few people start booing, everyone else has to boo him just to be cool. Ah. And it's like it's the. If anything, the the good thing. But I can't believe I watched Raw on Monday and Roman Reigns was treated as a babyface. Um, like legit because he's with the shield and it's working but he got the mic and he put Steph down and he got cheered and I thought bloody hell has, has Jason Jordan's presence on this show actually managed to help Roman Reigns well, has, it, has it been a plant all along it's, it, it's very interesting you know it's not it's not always about the individual for instance if Jason Jordan joined back up with Chad Gable tomorrow they'd get cheered yeah, um, true. It's, it is the fact that he's been plucked out of a tag team that people still wanted to see wrestle he's been put into a pretty ridiculous storyline about being Kurt's son and and he's not if, if you're just using it in isolation he's not ready for the big push up and people don't like that but it's a pawn in a storyline he's be you know unlike Reigns they're desperately trying to get over Jordan's being forced up the card for the reason that they want people to boo him this is a long con on this one so I'm not criticising WWE there's a reason why he's being pushed ahead of where people want him and that's because they want him to feel that self-entitlement of being Kurt's son and that's going to feed into his heel turn so that's up to him how that manifests and how that works out but they're doing it the right way okay I'll give you that one um Shield and New Day is that the, is that the next big oh, match on the show just just kill me now mate like I didn't even know I wanted this match and now I want this match more than probably anything um 
I love the Shield to bits. You know, I, I think I mentioned on my last podcast, I've, they're one of only four wrestling DVDs I've got on my shelf. Um, absolutely adore them. Um, the New Day have been phenomenal for the last two years, really since the um, since the Shield split, I guess. Um, what a cr- what a tremendous match this is going to be. What an absolute... You know, when was the last time we saw a six-man dream match in WWE? Never. Uh, Shield, Shield versus Wyatt's. Not a dream match, I'd say. It was, oh, they were bollocks. both. They were both. No, no. By the, no, the definition bollocks, of it, mate. they were. They were coming up together. They were very much part of the same program. They were. T- they were both. No, no, not on. not having it. But, they were heels. They were separate but, things. Match. And people people were constantly saying, "Can't wait to see Shield and the Wyatt's. Can't wait to see right. Shield and the Wyatt's." I'm, I'm picking hairs. I'm splitting yeah. hairs. Even so, first time since the Shield against the Wyatt's. Then, um, yeah. it's going to be great. And I can't wait. Like the, the contrast, fantastic. Fans will pick sides, and the wrestling action will be phenomenal. Uh, and then the Shield will win. <laughs> you, tore, you took the words out of my mouth. Yes, the Shield will win. And right, so, but yeah. um, I, I cannot wait. Arguably, this is my match of the night, and there's about five to pick from. You, you don't beat the Shield unless one of the Shield decides to beat themselves. Correct. So. New Day can take defeats. It's not a big deal for New Day. The Shield at this stage can't. Um, if you're going to do anything with the Shield, it means that one of them. <coughs> it means that one of them is going to turn on the others for whatever, or make a mistake that leads to something else. So I don't see it happening. I think this is we're still in the uh, the honeymoon period. It's like a delayed honeymoon period for uh, Roman not being around last time. So this is your Shield on pay per view picking up the big win with the triple power bomb, and uh, everyone's happy. Um, type of thing um, Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Usos heel versus heel when's the last time you had a heel versus heel match that you were that you gave that much of a shit about um, you tell me mate you tell I me th- I, I can't think of one generally heel v heel matches are only serving the purpose of getting yourself out of a storyline furthering something on television for a quick five minutes or you know, wasting a, a tournament match on King of the Ring. You don't book heel versus heel matches. Babyface versus babyface because people have their own sides. But heel versus heel is a proper, proper no-no. We'll get to the Miz versus Corbin, um, which people really don't care about, um, no. and that's not the, that's not the Miz's fault. But um, this is a one of those ones where you go, well, actually, it's heel v heel. But if there's ever an example of your your cool, we are in that sort of era, aren't we? Where is Brock Lesnar a heel? Is Braun Strowman a heel? Is Roman Reigns a heel? Are oh, the Bar heels? Uh, you know, even that New Day have been a bit tossy the last couple of weeks. Are they heels? It's like, there's a lot of people, you know, Triple H even, you know, there's lots of people where you're not quite sure what they are and who they are because of their their actions. But what matters is you care about watching them. Um right. And even actually, did the Usos? I can't remember if they did. They turn on New Day in the end, but they, they offered the handshake, didn't they, the other week? Um, did they actually go, yeah, did they, they go did. through no, without? They, no, they they did. They ended the rivalry definitively, and it was not quite a face turn, uh, but it was very much a truce. Well, uh, that's a face, but that is a baby face it move. Was, it was a truceo. Yeah, a tr- <laughs> very good. Uh, it was it was baby face ish, and then they stood together to basically run down the rest of the um, tag team division. So, it, oh, that'd be a good shirt. That would be that's what they should have on their shirts. Rather than <laughs> day, day one ish. I don't understand that by the way. Do you know what that means? I don't know what that, that hey, means. We're, we're not we're not LA gangsters, so uh, what, no. what does it what does it mean? 
No, I, I'm got a clue. I'm got a clue. Okay, Mate, I, I saw the BBC did a story about the 30 most influential people under 30 today, and I knew about six of them. So we're, our time is gone. Yeah, it is. Our time, our time is up. Our time is gone. Um, but anyway, whatever the day one-ish means on the shirt, um, they should have babyface-ish. That's what they should do. Anyway, that's the point, point over. And uh, belaboured and gone. But um, So there's so many people that you can argue are, you know, uh, they might be heels, but they're interesting enough. And actually, this match, you just get the feeling this is going to be an absolute, you know, battle it out, guns blazing corker. I just think, yeah, it's going it, to... I think it'll. I think it will um, steal the show, metaphorically. Um, I think the Bar are my favourite tag team that have come along in a long, long time, and the Usos are uh, every bit up there with them. I just, I, you know, it's just going to be another phenomenal match on a phenomenal card. The the, the best um, um, nonsense lookalike I've seen in a while is the uh, the Bar with their sunglasses. Um, looking a little bit like Mayor Quimby's um, bodyguards in The Simpsons. Right. Okay. It's just, it's a, just, it's a, just look at it. Next time you see them, like sat together um, on the Miz's on Miz TV or something, they just, uh, just they look like Mayor Quimby's bodyguards. Anyway, um, is there another match on the show that is worth talking about? You've got the, the the women's elimination match. You've got Alexa versus Charlotte, and you've got Miz versus Corbin. I suppose the, the last one mentioned is notable for its lack of notability I think every every other match on the card is one that you go oh I'd like to see that Miz and Corbin you think mm, not really um, I don't think it's really worth going over again is it no no it's not it really isn't it really isn't um, so on a scale of one to wow how much how much are you looking forward to this wow 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 okay six wows um, yeah, yeah I just think it's, a... I, I've not looked in in isolation, I've not looked forward to a card like this in Christ knows how long. A long, long, long time. Maybe SummerSlam 2002. I don't know. It it just looks unbelievable. I watched Survivor Series 2002 this week. Did you now? Very, because very good card. Was that on my recommendation? Um, yeah, let's say yes. And the fact <laughs> that and the fact that Bruce and Conrad are doing it tomorrow. But um, <laughs> fair enough. But no, but when we when we did our whiz through Survivor Series history two weeks ago, and we we came across that one and we're just like, holy shit, that was some card. And then I heard them said they were going to do it on some of the wrestle with. So I watched it this week. Really, really good show. Oh. Great show. Yeah, yeah. Um, just so fun to watch. And I I I may not have seen it since I saw it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I can't think of a reason why I'd have gone back and watched that again. So just uh, cool as you like. Um, notable for uh, the worst haircut of Sean's career. Oh, um, God, yeah, and the worst But, uh, but uh, well, he's had some bad gear. But um, that was uh, a, a very bad haircut. I seem to remember him and uh, Rachel off Friends had their haircut at the same time. And it was like, you can't mess with the iconic uh, iconic Barnets there, guys. But um, it's uh, it's a great pay-per-view, so that's one worth going and watching uh, to get yourself in the mood before the weekend and indeed as a, an accompaniment to, uh, to Bruce, and, uh, Bruce and Conrad's podcast. Um, but yeah, every now and again, was it... They they did SummerSlam 2002 early on in the year, and that was one where you went back and watched and went, crikey me, it's just like, what a, what a card this is, top to bottom. And, you know, who knows what we're going to be talking about on this one in uh, in however many years' time. Do you know something else? We've done about 45 minutes this podcast, maybe a little bit more, not even mentioned NXT TakeOver. Well, and, and, and should we not? Let's not go into any sort of detail, but I'm just making making the point of saying... In all the stuff that's going on, NXT Takeover is your absolute well, 
knock it out of the park, eight out of ten minimum show, and we're not even thinking about it. Yeah, because um, normally NXT is my my darling, but um, frankly, I, there's nothing on there that excites me. The fact that they're having a War Games um, titled show without a proper War Games match in there um, means that I'm giving this a big fat thumbs down. I don't want to get styled down in the negativity. They're not even going to have a roof on the cage, you know. Oh, they're not. No, not a roof on the cage. Silly, um, silly rules to bring guys in. Um, silly time periods. Uh, big thumbs down from me on this one. It might be a great match, but it's not a war games match. It's got a okay, double ring. Fair, fair dues. Um, so um, it's not a war games match, and um, it's uh, not a proper Starcade coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So just uh, just uh, WWE just horsing around with WCW matches. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll leave that. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, NXT next week when we've uh, when we've watched it and we can uh, assess it that way. Um, right. So just finally, is there any more information you need to give people in terms of coming and watching Survivor Series with us? Where can they get their tickets from? Well, tickets as always from hookedonevents.co.uk or ringsideworld.co.uk. One last thing I will say on the Survivor Series, guys, is if you come and join us, this is probably more relevant to London than anywhere, but it's going to count everywhere we go. If you come and join us and you get your tickets in advance, you can. Although the party's free in the other venues, by the way, you can still pay a deposit to book your tickets early just to help us out with numbers so we know what we're getting but regardless if you buy your ticket uh, or reserve your ticket before the night um, you will also on the night get a uh, get a code to get your Wrestle Kingdom tickets early um, We so there's going to be a big demand if you want to come see our Wrestle Kingdom 12 party you don't have to wait in the queue next Wednesday if you come to Survivor Series we'll give you a pre-sale code that you can go and buy them that night or the next morning Speaking of pre-sale codes, don't run away on this show because later on in the show we're going to be talking Royal Rumble. Yes, we're not even past the Survivor Series yet, but we're even, we're thinking about the Rumble at the end of January. Um, big news on that coming up, including a couple of new venues um, and uh, a pre-sale code. We'll give you a pre-sale code later in this podcast. Tickets go on sale on Monday, um, the day after Survivor Series. Um, but we're going to give you a pre-sale code now that enables you to, as soon as you listen to this podcast, to to book your uh, book your tickets in for the rumble. So uh, we'll do that a little bit later on, to uh, probably to near the end of the uh, the show itself. Um, anything else to say about Survivor Series before we move on? Um, no, mate. I think we've covered it. I think we're there. Excellent. Okay. Um, we mentioned uh, Triple H showing up. Uh, at uh, the ICW show this week uh, or last week we mentioned AJ Styles beating Jinder Mahal on Smackdown uh, for the uh, the title big uh, historical moment um, and obviously that means the WWE have been in town I'm sure there's been uh, or in the country as it were um, I'm sure you've not been able to get by anywhere there was wrestlers on Sky Sports News there's been wrestlers on um, your, your ordinary um BBC ITV channels popping up on different things. You even had Seamus and Cesaro picking match predictions against Mark Lawrence on the BBC website. Incredible. Um, you, you can't get anywhere without seeing some WWE guys. They do an excellent job on their uh, spreading their PR around when they're over here these days. Um, and part of their PR extends to uh, offering the odd ticket to the, um, some vital partners and friends, which includes, amazingly, Paul Benson. I know. How um, bizarre is that, eh? So uh, living up to his uh, his name, Showbiz Paul Benson was at Monday Night Raw last week in the uh, Manchester Arena. Has it got a name now? Has it got a? Uh, no, I think it's yet? just it's a Manchester a, Arena. That's Manchester Arena for a little while. That was uh, Bing. I was correct. One point to me for Manchester Arena. There you go. Um, but um, the uh, uh, the arena there was where Paul was last week. Um, invited me uh, as his plus one. Oh shucks, uh, but I couldn't make it. So you had to. Uh, 
you know, who did you have to be up to put up with some horrible smelly man I know I did I did I really did but it, a, uh, agent was it horrible who was it horrible I, smelly I, I took I, I ended up being repulsed by the smelly and horrible manly no I'm only kidding I went with um, the lovely Joanna Rose from uh, Preston City Wrestling and Evolve the ring announcer who was our fantastic host for SummerSlam in Birmingham so uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, her, yeah. It, it, Rob, Rob it was an upgrade my friend yeah well rather than having me with my lack of voice and irritating ways you only you just got to take Joanna instead who's only absolutely gorgeous so um so struggling bad night for Paul um but uh, on the whole um how was your experience no don't just tell us how Monday Night Raw was but uh were you wined and dined did you well, uh, get to eat pork and beans with kings and queens how did it go <laughs> it's not really like that you know like without the risk of sounding completely blase about it um it's you know the, the pre-show reception is lovely but it's it's more of a case of you know them giving us a chance to say hello to the corporate guys i get on really well with some of the guys behind the scenes um and they do look after us so it's a case of just sitting there having a nice cheeky few glasses of wine um rather than paying exorbitant arena prices you do get a little goodie bag um that comes with it but it's you know it's not nothing outrageous just a little hat and t-shirt and little bag and whatnot um and you just uh, to be honest the, the bar in the Manchester Arena for VIPs is, is it's in the basement it's it's windowless and weird um, but nonetheless I very much appreciated the invite and it was nice to see the guys um, but the show really was, was what impressed me it's been a long time since I've been to a TV taping for WWE and been truly impressed but um, with this one I, I absolutely was um, it, we don't do this quite as often as we used to when we first started this podcast at the was it the very end of last year or the very start of this year? Whenever it was that we uh, we kicked off um, HOP, um, we used to we used to do quite a lot more stories about ourselves and uh, our own little bits of uh, experiences backstage and um, the kind of the weird world that we've inhabited. Have you got any? Uh, have you got any good um, WWE pre-show stories? I have not. The only pre-show not, stories okay. is I I managed to get. They always send two wrestlers out to do a meet and greet. Um, okay. so they meet basically there's a few kids back there and stuff like that and they always send two guys out and I managed to guess which two would come out um, no way so, really yeah yeah Jason Jordan and Nia Jax I called it <laughs> uh, and, they, and they came out I've, I've seen these things a few times I know the sort of sort of person they send out so I called it right on the money um, and then I got so you'd have, you'd have thought they'd have saved her for, uh, for Birmingham wouldn't you Go on. That's a, that's a very weak NIA joke because it's in the uh, National Indoor Arena, isn't it? But it'd be NIA Jacks is who it should be at the uh, the Birmingham. Anyway, that's rubbish. Move on. Yes, please do. Um, my, my, my only celeb encounter that night was uh, got to meet. If any of our listeners are Coronation Street f- uh, fans, which I am, um, they got to meet the uh, wonderful uh, girl that plays Alia from Coronation Street, who is uh, who turns out to be a massive wrestling fan. Uh, what's her name? Her, uh, the actress's name. Yeah. No idea. It's Alia from Coronation Street. That's more okay, fun. That, that. Oh, that that's actually her real name. Hello, my name is Alia from Coronation Street. That is oh, that's actually her. Totally name. is, mate. Totally is. Um. I once knew someone that had something um signed by um Phil Mitchell from EastEnders, uh, oh, Steve really? McFadden. And he signed it, Steve McFadden, brackets, Phil Mitchell. Oh, oh, <laughs> thinking, no, no one will actually know who I am, so I'll put a little... Which, actually, they will. He's a big star. But he, he put a little... It's always said, a.k.a. 
Phil Mitchell from EastEnders, or so he put a little disclaimer on it saying who it was. Um, in a similar way to um, if you ever, ever get anything signed by footballers now, they put their squad number on it. Oh, yes, yeah. Because it's really quite hard to tell football isn't well, anyone's autograph. So they have a tendency to put a little number next to it so you can uh, have a little idea of, uh, of who it is, which is quite Makes smart. Um, it's not quite um, it's not quite the same uh, situation as uh, <coughs> as Jason and Naya, but uh, the first time I ever got invited to one of those um, was, I'm trying to think, would it be around about 2007? Um, we've tried to work this out before. Basically, what, what, which WrestleMania was was Sean and um, Sean and John versus John Cena? That was 2006. So WrestleMania 22. Yes. Okay, so three weeks later in London at Rell's Court is when they did the the hour long match, which was actually 51 minutes, but they put in the uh, they put ad breaks in to make it an hour. Right. Um, but um, that's the first show I went to um, as a guest. Um, so I went to one of those. Uh, um, pre-show things and good, goodness me so if that was if that was that was uh, your birthday I didn't know you then but it was Correct. April the 23rd it was April the 23rd it was St. George's Day uh, and goodness me that means that I've known that means I've known Joel Ross for 11 and a half years then because that's the first time I hear uh, oh first day I first day I ever met Joel that was um, but um, well, I'd not been to one of those things before and I remember getting a little bit a uh, little bit pissed on the free becks that they kept handing around and uh, <laughs> was um, the it was explained to me that in a minute they'll bring some they'll bring some wrestlers in and they'll stick them in the corner and we'll all sort of queue up and get their autographs like marks and then uh, and we'll go and watch the show and I was like okay well I don't think I don't think I will I think I'll be above that but okay fine and uh, who who will it be and they went ah it'll be you know it'll be Scotty Too Hotty and Trevor you know, Murdoch like that. yeah, yeah I thought you were, Trevor Danger I thought you were going to say <laughs> um, in fact we'll round I'll come back to Trevor Murdoch in a minute um, but uh, yeah, I'll be Scotty Too Hotty and some generic um, diva, and it was uh, it was Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Mick Foley. Oh, nice! It was a, a proper decent one, and uh, I had been reading Mick, one of Mick Foley's books on the train on the way up to London. I forget which one. Um, I guess it would have been it'd be the third one. What was the name of the third one? Oh, in which he was. Um... It's the one in which he's pitching. Uh, he pitches an idea. Is it, is it called the Hardcore Diaries? Might have been. That was the weird, that was the weird one where he had the fixation with Melina, wasn't it? That's the one, right? So yeah. um, I had read that on the train on the way up. So um, you'll know from the most of the time when they give you one of those tour T-shirts that they're um, they're normally black with a load of wrestlers' faces on and um, like WrestleMania Revenge Tour or something like that, yes, and yeah. dates on dates and dates on the back. But this one was a white T-shirt, and so much easier to to be signed and whatever. And so. Uh, I got to the front of the queue. Bear in mind, I'd said I wasn't going to go up and get uh, autographs. Of course, I clearly did because it was the Hardys and, and Mick. And I got to the front and I said, "Oh, uh, and of the faces of people that were on it, it was like um, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, maybe Bobby Lashley, a um, couple of others, and Melina. She was on the she was on the T-shirt. Huh? And so I said, "Oh, you know, you, you look for rubbish small talk, don't you, when you're meeting people and getting autographs?" And I said that can't be bad can it Mick you know the t-shirt with Melina on it bear in mind I'm about 22 at this point and I don't know what I'm a bit wide-eyed and don't know what to say and I've gone oh that's, that can't be bad Mick can it and he looked at me and he went oh I think that's uh, that's worthy of something extra or something like that and I was like what does he mean and he drew a speech bubble <laughs> out of Melina's mouth and around it and then inside the speech bubble wrote wow I sure do like Mick Foley <laughs> And then signed it and showed the Hardys, look what I did. And Jeff ignored it, and Matt went, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, 
And so I've got a shirt which is signed by the Hardys and Mick Foley and a speech bubble coming out of Melina's mouth. But the thing is, no one really believes that he did it. People think I did it. So it looks like a really sad thing to do in your 20s to draw on a picture like you would do when you were a kid drawing on your magazines or something. So it looks really weird that I've drawn on this picture, except I haven't. Mick, Mick Foley did it. Honest, everyone, Mick Foley did it. Um, but that was a, a kind of a, a sort of quirky story. But you mentioned... Um, uh, that was Earl's Court, and the follow, either, either the following year or maybe two years later, um, was when uh, we were the O2. It was what year did they what year did they do the Michael's Jericho stuff? Um, you know the um, two thousand two thousand yeah I know what you mean two thousand eight nine yeah I, I want to say it was the same that. year as that I want to say it was a, I, in in my head there was some sort of Michael's Batista Jericho thing on the show that night it was night. 2008 because it all stemmed out of Wrestlemania 24 didn't it with the flair because of flair flair yeah. retirement okay. yeah so, it's so, we're, so, so we're jumping on two years then um, because I'm, I can, I can, I'm sure it was that show and I interviewed Caden Murdoch um, and Trevor Murdoch did the interview in kayfabe and Lance Cade did it in oh, real terms Lord. It was the weirdest thing. I don't think I ever put it out or did anything with it. But they'd had a bust-up with someone. Was it crime time or something like that? But they'd had like a real-life bust-up with someone or whatever. And Murdoch was gonna go, was just going, let me tell you, we don't like them and they don't like us. And all this. And they were just having... It was just... Bull. And Kate sort of went, well, here's the situation. Like, it was a disagreement. And they got out of hand. And like, he was doing like a sensible, serious answer. And Murdoch was in character. It was the weirdest interview. It was. I remember being very, very annoyed that because that day we got Caden Murdoch for a very short amount of time. I'm trying to remember who else we got. Someone else that was, with all due respect to them, not a big name. And John Ronson um, got about 45 minutes with Chris Jericho for the Daily Mail, and and then and then basically slagged off wrestling in it. Huh. And it was so. So oh, thanks for giving the Daily Mail way more time than we did. And they were there, because it was John Ronson because he was a vaguely well-known name. And now I've realised all I'm doing is just spewing my nine-year-old venom on this show so we'll, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll move on but after a uh, a little chance encounter with uh, with Naya and with Jason it was out into the uh, into the crowd it's, I've always found the Manchester crowd to be a really good wrestling crowd was it did it follow yeah, on yeah man it, it did it was a good crowd and we were at decent seats um, and I just thought it was it was a really entertaining show. Like I, I went to the first Raw taping um, outside the US that was in Manchester Arena in 2004, um, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, and that this one is the only one I've truly enjoyed and felt noteworthy since then. I've a few of them have actually been a chore, if I'm honest. Um, but this one was great. It was good matches. You know, Finn Balor against Samoa Joe was fantastic. There was a lot of storyline progression. Um, the Shield against the Bar, well, uh, Ambrose and Rollins against the Bar. Um, I just thought it was magic, man. I can see Kurt Angle in the ring as well, you know, not wrestling, obviously, but in the ring nonetheless. Um, Pete Dunne to come into the ring, although the cute stuffed his, uh, stuffed his music up, which lessened the impact a little bit. Um, I just, I, I can't, I can't think of a raw uh, WWE show, full stop, I've enjoyed as much in over 10 years. I thought it was fantastic. NXT, really NXT maybe NXT uh, it, you know the first NXT tour was just absolutely wonderful but this is up there with that oh that's really good that's great news when you get to have that that kind of experience because yeah it's a bit of a it sounds a bit of an entitled thing of us to say but oftentimes 
bog standard house shows are more interesting to go and watch than, than TV tapings because of totally yeah I agree ga- ga- gaps in between and um, you know boring promos you don't care about and superstars tapings and and all sorts of stuff like that but um, if you went along and had a great night I always used to see it as a I the the, the actual shows themselves were kind of secondary because I'd be travelling up and in in the good years when we had uh, um, you know good exposure and a good relationship with WWE it was a chance to go up and and do some interviews so you know I did I can remember doing CM Punk at um, the O2 doing John Cena one afternoon when he was um, doing a promotion for I guess it would have been for 12 rounds did you come and watch that with me I went to watch 12 rounds no, at, um, no it was before I knew you was it I went to watch 12 rounds at the 20th Century Fox building in Soho hmm. Square um, the same day that we oh, I might have been with Joel and Simon because we did the Bret Hart interview on the Friday and then we went to watch John Cena's film that afternoon at Soho Square and then the following Monday was Raw and uh, I interviewed Cena um, but yeah that was it used to be more about the interviews to us um, in some ways because you didn't get that kind of face to face exclusivity very often but obviously sure. when they were here then you got that little bit more uh, but every now and again there was a fun one I remember um, we interviewed Regal in Manchester which was a really cool little interview and then he won the IC title that night that was quite a good moment nice um, we we uh, I can remember being, oh, that must have been after. So whenever the Fandango in stuff was, whatever WrestleMania that was. That was 29, wasn't it? So that would have been 2013. Uh, well, f- four years ago, 29 would have been the year 2013. Yep. Um, so that was, was the, the suggestion was always that the Fandangoing was, you know, broadly started by, um, well, I want to say a group of Brits, but. My friend Brendan Burns always insists to me that Brendan, he was at the uh, forefront of that, and Brendan's an Aussie, but he's based over here. So, sort of in- non-Americans, Europeans, Australians, anyway, that were responsible for the Fandango in. And uh, myself and wrestling memes had a good time trying to get the Fandango song into the charts for that little that oh, point. Oh man, we tried, didn't we? Didn't it get to we, like 48 or something like that? It was not far off. I remember tuning into the start of the charts, and whoever was doing the chart show at that time, um, maybe it was um, Reggie and Fern, whoever it was. I remember tuning into the chart show and they went, if you're tuning in to the, hear the Fandango song, it didn't quite did make it. Did they? Did they? I didn't yeah, know they that. said it. Oh, yeah, they, amazing. They actually said it. They did mention it right at the start. Um, they should so, have played um, it anyway. They should have played it. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should have. But um, it got a mention. We, we we changed the world to such an effect that they they mentioned Fandango on the, on the chart show on Radio 1. But, um, but that following... So three weeks later or whatever it was, uh, we had... Um, we had the chance to do it in, in the O2 and I can remember uh, I can remember going to that show I don't know if you were with I'm trying to remember who was there I know that um, uh, Richard Parr was at that show who we've had on the show before Richard Parr from Sportachino um, and presumably his brother Matt um, who was often with him he's a good lad as well he's a, ma- a magician yeah. and our, our friend Lorna was at that show um, I can remember being sat with them and I can remember in my early days going along to those kind of things as a press representative and being a little bit, not snobby, but like really trying to show I was being professional and I would take a notebook and make little notes and, you know, not go wild and cheer and clap and, and whatever because I was trying to do my job and, you know, fair play. I have got to, you know, I was there genuinely. I was there to do a job. I can always remember, you know, as soon as WrestleMania had finished in, in Houston, everyone else getting back to the hotel and going on the pop and I had to go back to my hotel room and write my report and then come back and join everyone because, you know, I was there for a reason to work. Yep. Um, but uh, so I would make these notes and I would be very fastidious and write my report and, and do whatever but 
I was a little bit uptight about it all and I realised that actually it's so much more fun to just throw yourself into it and I think I learned that on the TNA tours because although I would do some work on the TNA tours again they were often more about the interviews than they were about the actual shows and they were house shows a lot of the time so it wasn't necessarily a critical thing that you had to you know report on them for timeliness it was more at the end of the at the end of the run you did a little report about all of it and as you all know we used to have a blinding time on those tours mainly absolutely quite a lot quite a lot of it was drink fueled but it was you know it was a really great time and but you learned to just enjoy the shows I mean can you remember you know you know how much we joined in with Hogan's entrances that year when Hogan was on the tour and um, just various other times where we were all right well let's use the let's use the expression we were marks and we just joined in and had some fun and actually you can re, we can you know refine your love for wrestling by doing that yep. by the way this is not meant to be a deliberate little plug but that's something you can do at our shows by the way you'll find that you come to watch our live shows and uh, not our live shows but our live um you know broadcast of pay-per-views and actually you find yourself with kindred spirits and having had a beer you join in like you were there and you lose your inhibitions and, and that is very it's very very cool um but i remember doing that at those tna shows and so i remember specifically at that fandango show doing the fandango and i think we tried to get a mexican wave going and just generally speaking had a really great time at that show and i can remember being you know not as inhibited as i would have been previously and just really going mad and enjoying myself at the wrestling and it's a it's a good thing to remember that you're a fan and you're there to be entertained and you can enjoy it and you don't have to be a you know a stuck up prat pretending that it's all a little bit beneath you and whatever and that's not a I'm not judging the fans there I'm judging 24 year old Rob that took it a bit too seriously so I miss that I miss those times I don't get to go to them anymore it's uh, I've kind of moved on in my life so it's uh, it would have been lovely to have gone with you mate and to have uh, experience it again it's a jolly long time since i've been to a wwe show and, well uh, hopefully and done mate, that kind of thing i didn't disgrace myself so hopefully there will be another another opportunity down the line oh and i tell you what you did with me once oh no dude go on you got oh you got oh no that's time not in the there. box that's not no i'm not i'm not gonna do it in, <laughs> I, I still hey, I, I still think you got spiked or something because i've been i've been drinking with you and you've been there You've not been that bad before, and you'd only had a couple, but uh, was, ooh, was, bad times. Weird night, that very weird. I, 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 I hate when people go, "Oh, I was spiked, I was spiked." No, but you must have been. Odd. Or you had, odd. or you had some sort of allergic reaction or something, because you went, you went bonkers, and I was having to try and calm you. I was in the News International box at the at the O2, and Paul was my invited guest. Did we go to Gaucho? Yes, we did. Yeah, we went to Gaucho for something to eat, didn't we, beforehand? I think, that, yeah, because. Uh, I've been there a couple of... I mean, me, you and Simon, I think, went to Gaucho for something to eat. And, yep, that's right. Because um, uh, I once went there. Uh, I once went there. There's a Gaucho in the O2. If, Gaucho, if you don't know, by the way, is a very um, swanky Argentinian steak restaurant, which is absolutely gorgeous. A bit pricey, but absolutely gorgeous. And I once went there before a SmackDown taping, basically because the Q Fernandos was massive. So the Q Fernandos was huge, and I thought, I'll sod it, I'll treat myself, I'll go for a steak. And it was basically empty in Gaucho. Um, and I sat there on my own. And it was my birthday. Oh, bless Honestly, yeah. On my own. In, and I spent about 60 quid on dinner. Oh, <laughs> on my own. Because I had like a bottle and a half of wine and the best steak and a dessert and a lot. I had um, Mal- uh, Malbec sorbet once in uh, Gaucho. Best thing I've ever had in my life. Anyway, uh, off topic once again. Um, before we... Uh, before we wrap ourselves up, is there anything there, anything else to note about your uh, raw experience? Um, no, not really, mate. I just thought it. You know, thank you to WWE for inviting us. 
Um, and like I say, hopefully there'll be another time. I hope this means that we're going to see a, a big uptick in the shows that we get in the UK now. I think we will because of such a bigger focus. Um, so roll on. When will it be? April, May time. Uh, yeah, it's normally just after uh, just after Mania, usually about three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, it's actually come back to something I meant to say earlier in the show when we were talking about New Japan. Was um, we certainly noticed it when we were talking about the uh, the show itself. You were talking about people uh, such as the Young Bucks and whoever else that have had the chance to go to WWE and have turned it down. You mentioned Ibushi as well. They have turned it down, for, you know, for the sake of they can do better by working independently or in Japan. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Marty Skrull in there. But, you know, there is a very fair chance that this pay-per-view, at the very least, will include Marty Skull, Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay. Absolutely. You know, maybe some others. And we really, really have a very cool time. We've talked, you know, a bit more extensively about British wrestling before in the sense that, you know, you, you know Am Dars and, you know, various other people that, uh, that have got themselves onto WWE TV. Um, but, you know, how cool for, you know, for your... Skull, Osprey, and Zack Saber Jr. of the world, that they would be, <coughs> sorry, they would be featured very, very highly, wouldn't they, if they're on that show? Oh, no question. You know, like Skull won the IWGP um, uh, Junior title this past week, and he's treated as a very big deal out there, as is Osprey, as is Jack, Zack Saber Jr. But I, th- I really feel like they've they've got their eye on Marty. Um, as someone who can really, you know, he can step up and, and those juniors are treated very seriously out there. So to take that title is no mean feat. Um, I think his, his character works very well in front of the Japanese crowd. His size isn't an object. Um, I, th- I think we're going to, when Wrestle Kingdom rolls around, I think he'll be in a very prominent position indeed. Uh, on that topic, not necessarily knowing how long he's going to have to wait until he's uh, out of contract or released or can work anywhere else, but. Uh... What about Neville? Well, um, got to be, that's got to be a logical destination for him, isn't it? It's got to be a thought. Now, I, I, I hate to sort of pour cold water on your thought process. I don't see it. Um, a, because he's not been released yet, so he's no compete, just wouldn't yeah, run out in time. I, 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 think, I think it's too soon for that. But I think, generally either. speaking, you're right. I've heard whispers this week on Tinterweb that he's actually negotiating with WWE to go back so it might it might be a non-issue completely but if he does end up severing ties then you without without doubt he'll be New Japan bound and he'll be uh, very very highly thought of there as he should be his character that he's playing in WWE is world class and by that I mean he could slip into a main event if he was given that opportunity and um, I think he would be in New Japan I could see him easy like I could see a reality with Kenny Omega slipping out to WWE at some point and uh, and Neville taking over the Bullet Club well you know that's a I wouldn't rule that out um, but um, the worry is that it'll be you just said about Marty being a, a junior well that's revered in Japan and you yeah. can elevate yourself from that um, but um, you know Devitt was a junior um, and you can elevate but if you're a cruiserweight it's quite hard to get yourself out of that tag isn't it in, in North American wrestling it really you is have to be, you have to be exceptional you know <coughs> people always say about how what a good job the w, WCW did with their cruiserweights well they did in the sense that you know you fused you know, the, the Mexican style of Ray and Hoovy and um, whoever else uh, along with your Malencos and Guerreros and Jericho and you know whoever else but they were never getting anywhere hence the whole radicals thing 
Um, and then, you know, the, the current incarnation of cruiserweights, you know, you don't ever look at that ro- that roster and think, well, I tell you what, Mustafa Ali and Drew Gulag are going to be main event in WrestleMania. Um, they might be good, they might not, but it doesn't matter because they're just homogenous cruiserweights. And, um, you know, it makes sense having Enzo down there because he fits it and at least he's a personality. Same with uh, um, uh, Kalisto. But um, you don't ever see them hitting the heights. And I think that's probably something that Neville probably looked at and thought, well, it's just I've probably reached, I've done all I can do. And if they're taking the title off me, what else is there for me to do? I'm not going to be sitting be third or fourth wheel on 205 Live. I'm better than that. Oh. And so if they do bring him back and and go with him again, I hope they just put him straight back onto Raw and go with him as a as a character and they just ignore the fact that he's ever been in the Cruiserweights. Well, I would assume they have to. Um, he's, he's a guy that did a phenomenal job of rehabilitating his career well not uh, giving it a kickstart really because he never did get a proper chance with WWE before then but he he did an amazing job with that and he really carried that division on his back um, he, deserve, he fully deserves a chance and his character lends itself to that uh, opportunity as well and like a lot of those guys you know the couple you just mentioned um, so yeah you've got to imagine that if he does come back it is going to be into the main roster and he'd make a great addition he would, um, but it, it does mean that if he if he did leave, you know, he wouldn't have um, uh, a paucity of um, job offers, would he? He'd Absolutely be able to work in, anywhere in the world, and it falls back into what you were saying previously. And do you know what? Here's another piece of news from this week. It's not the uh, the, the breaking news, such as uh, the other matters that we've discussed. But James Ellsworth um, released from his contract this week. But on a serious note, you know, this is a guy that was not brought in the company to be anything other than just a a guy that people cottoned on to and he's he's made a year or so of his life out of having a little WWE run and if nothing else James Ellsworth can go to wrestle conventions for the next 20 years and do signings you know people still remember Jameson for goodness sake don't they yeah so Ellsworth has got a career and you know fair play at the young man for just you know sticking out something and whether he was good or not who cares he's lived a bit of a dream um, and people will book Ellsworth on uh, on small spot shows, he'll get to do some um, conventions. You know, he's not going to turn up in New Japan, but and, and I don't even think he'd go to Impact Wrestling. But I think, you know, he's going to he's going to be able to travel the country doing what he loves for another few years. So fair play to him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's 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 upped his price. He's upped his exposure on the indie scene. He's had a year in WWE, like you say. Uh, he'll be happy. No, they let him keep. Well, they let him keep his name. Right? I think he's called name. James Ellsworth, isn't he? Oh, is that his name? I'll I think call so. Him then. I'm not totally sure, but you got to imagine they won't really, won't really worry too much about it. But he's, um, you know, it's one of these releases where there's no, there's no um, woe is me story here. There's no hand wringing or shame. It's like it's just the natural order of things. He he did what he needed to do. He filled the role for a little while, and he comes out of it in a much better place than he started. So fair play to everybody involved. What well, actually, actually saying that it was not my intention to get to this on this show, but he. You've reminded me by, um, you know, saying that it was a no worries me hand ringing or anything. Um, but the, um, I thought the release of Emma a couple of weeks ago was a bit of a strange one, in the in the sense that they'd put her in a position with Asuka, which you thought was a reasonably high profile spot, and I thought she did okay. I always thought whenever I saw her that I thought she was all right as a sort of, um, uh, a sort of someone that can just lose every now and again, be a bit of a character. For example, Alicia Fox, you know. I know she's doing her mad little captaincy bit at the moment, but at least she's been there about ten years, isn't she? And I, I don't think I don't think she's any better than Emma. Uh, sorry, any worse than Emma. No. So I, which suspect, I th- which leads me to suspect, it's probably attitude issues. 
No, there is, there is that. There is that. But she but, she um, was quite vocal on Twitter about not being used and whatnot, wasn't she? And to be fair to her, she's been put through the absolute ringer with that whole Emelina character that never yeah. ended up doing anything. So you can't blame her for being bitter and, and being frustrated and striking out. But at the same time, she's not in a position where they need to put up with someone who's a bad apple. Um, she's not that good. So it's, it's probably just a, one of those where they, they didn't see enough upside in here to put up with the, the storm that she's created and just, just cut her loose mm-hmm. and as we continue to go on here and I continue to think we'll wrap up in a minute and I continue to think I'll get to save my voice in a few <laughs> minutes time um, I continue to think of things to say so in, in this week of this news and this news and this news and this news and this news we get an hour and a half plus into a podcast and we have to mention Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn oh yeah um, what's, what's happened there that's a strange old scenario because um, it is not worth, we are not going to sit here and start speculating on it not our not our problem not our issue um, not our business actually frankly but um, I think the talking point in all of it is it's weird that it's not really come to light I mean there seems to be a bit of a suggestion that they were meant to do some spot or other that they didn't do and they changed it slightly off their own bat and um, they've got some into some issues because of it but it's a strange old situation isn't it well, it is, and uh, you know, you, I don't, let's not get into it because it's it's a can of worms that we don't need to open. But there's obviously a a movement at the moment with with the fact that the wrestling landscape's changing. That talent feel they can be a bit more vocal um, with some of their frustrations, and they feel like they're, they're not quite in the one horse town that they were in before. And I think that leads to guys like Owens and Zayn who take their craft very seriously butting up against management probably a bit more than they might have done a few years ago and I just hope they're not getting a bit too big for their pitches I hope they realise that um, whilst they're under contract they do have to play ball and whether they like it or not um, they're contracted to do what's what's asked of them and it's not a good look is it if if they're um, if they're deliberately fudging spots and changing script on live television that is not professional um, and we're, we're all big fans of Owens and Zayn but we should not in any way condone that um, they deliberately tried to sabotage the show and they were rightly punished if that's if, if what's what if it's true. true if it's true yeah. um, the reason I wanted to bring it up is that I think it's interesting to look at this from two perspectives and it works into what we were just talking about which is that A on one hand they are two of the best wrestlers in the world they are, have over characters they've been featured prominently uh, on pay-per-views over the last couple of months yeah they are not on the, on the Survivor Series card and they are not missed no they're this not is a, this is a Survivor um, admittedly it's a Raw v Smackdown one so it's a bit of a super card you only have it four years um, you know four times a year but um, no one is going oh I miss Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in fact it's hard to see where they'd fit it's a very I think it's a very distinct possibility if Zayn and Owens were around they'd probably be where Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura are so um, if you did have, if you, ha- if you did have um, uh, Zane and Owens you probably wouldn't have those other two so swings and roundabouts um, so there is enough of a stack card if, if Owens and Zane went away forever you know it would be very much a shame there's certainly some money on the table with, with Kevin Owens at the very least but you know life will go on and the sun will rise in the morning and WWE will be just fine you know they're this is the thing that every now and again because people because wrestling ain't what it used to be in some people's eyes because we're in our middle 30s and we think wrestling should be what it was like when we were 19 um, well actually WWE is probably the best it's ever been isn't it as a company 
in terms of how much money they make from various different divisions, uh, they're absolutely raking it in, folks. Then they're not in. They're not. not in, they're not anywhere close to um, sort of 2000, 99, 2000, 2001 levels. But I get the gist of what you say. Not from not from wrestling, they might not be, but from the whole company. The profits that they're posting as a company now is absolutely mega. And that, you know, back then they were reliant on the TV ratings being amazing. Now they're not. The TV ratings are crap. But but the network gets them stuff and the other, other divisions and merchandising and live yeah. events and whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's dandio. They are an absolute machine at making money now. One thing I will and say is that they're less beholden to wrestling and wrestlers and wrestling fans. Correct. That they were because they've got a fan base that will just buy merchandise based on the big stars and guys like Owens and Zayn I would love to see them get their get their due and I, I truly believe they're they're in the mix um, I think they're off this pay-per-view for storyline reasons frankly nothing else that storyline had well, already started um, that, could be, that could be that and it makes but, no sense them being on Team Smackdown if anything they would have been on Team Raw but I fully expect to see them uh, appear on the pay-per-view in some capacity you're um we told a story on the podcast a couple of weeks ago how your three and a half year old son knows who John Cena is because John Cena is in Scooby Doo cartoons. If that doesn't tell you what you know something about how WWE markets its stars, I don't know what does. There you go. So my point is WWE not going to miss um, uh, one fat and one skinny French Canadian guy. On the other hand, they wouldn't necessarily miss WWE if they left now because they can go anywhere in the world and make a fortune and be absolutely tremendous at what they do if they came over here, if they go over to Japan, if they went to Ring of Honor. Actually, what it does say, and I'm sad to say this in certain ways, but you do look at it now and go, they wouldn't go to Impact Wrestling, would they? Oh, Christ, no. That used to be the old way. If you left WWE, you went to TNA, and if you did well, you might get to go back, or at the very least, you get a good payday. Now you look at who's in TNA, and you think, well, Impact, and you just go, well, okay, there's fine, there's Alberto, but... You know, generally speaking, you just say, well, you know, Drew is, Drew McIntyre is probably the last one to have gone there, made something of himself enough to have gone back. And you think maybe, just maybe, EC3 could. But generally speaking, you're more likely to go Ring of Honor WWE than you are anything else, aren't you? Oh, yeah, of course or you are. New, or New Japan WWE. You, Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn would just would go straight back to Ring of Honor and work some other independent dates and work for you know your, your evolves or well here's um, here's a thought pro wrestling guerrilla or whatever and, and get some time in Japan here's a thought we all remember the radicals from 2000 making the jump from WCW to WWE what if and I'm I'm totally get going on a final tangent here, but what if we get to the end of say middle of next year when certain contracts are up or whatever and you see Daniel Bryan Kevin Owens Sami Zayn and Neville making a jump on mass just wander into a Ring of Honor show one can you day? imagine. Oh, oh! But that's the thing. I was thinking New Japan, but the the point stands, and yeah. those four would have such an. I think personally, would have a seismic impact on on business of wherever they went to. Yeah. Not to the not to the extent where they're going to compete with WWE, of course. But wherever they went, they would markedly improve their business. Owens would be <laughs> an absolute megastar in Japan. Totally. It, that's your that's your Stan Hansen. You know, big American. Oh no, he's not American, but big North American bully. Yep. Big clotheslines, strong style. They would absolutely adore him, and then he'd be a proper heel as well. Totally. Proper totally bigger would. heel. They'd they'd adore and hate, but they'd hate him in, in, they'd in the right scared. way. They'd be scared. The Japanese fans would be scared of him. They'd love, oh man alive, that'd be a great move. But yeah, imagine all those four going at the same time. Because that was the thing was that I saw a few people, you know, 
the uh, the wish being father to the thought, but people saying, okay, Jericho versus uh, Omega, brilliant. What's the chances of Daniel Bryan versus Okada? And it's like, okay, well, settle your tea kettle, everyone. It's not going to uh, that's not going to happen quite yet. But I think the odds are on Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson wrestling for Ring of, uh, for New Japan are probably greater than they are wrestling for WWE. I would fully agree with that. Although I think realistically, realistically, I think it'll be a Ring of Honor thing while he settles himself in and if he does get to um, a stage where he's wrestling a bit more frequently because here's the thing it's one thing for WWE to say our doctors say you can't wrestle and an independent doctor say you can what you don't do is then book yourself into 27 matches in your first month off well, get a concussion quite, again and actually screwed quite. If, he's got, if he's got any sense he wrestles about three or four times a year um, even if he's not with WWE because he can keep himself special and you know he can keep his his brain you know from, uh, from falling apart because this is the thing we'd all like I'd much rather see never see Daniel Bryan wrestle again and know he's going to be healthy than I would watch him wrestle again because I'll the next time I watch him wrestle if I watch him wrestle ever again all I'll be doing is going don't fall on your head don't fall on your head um, in, the, in the same way that you, don't you watch Kurt and just every time Kurt's in the ring just go don't hurt yourself I've said this in the past mate um I would rather, I would much, much rather not see Kurt wrestle ever again. Love him to bits, but you only need to look at him to know it's, it's not a good situation. He doesn't need to be in that ring. It's, it's not. I don't, I don't endorse him being in there at all. Actually, I don't enjoy it. I don't get any. I just, I just sort of cringe whenever I see him. So I would love the, I'd love it if he just hung him up for good. He's, he's done everything he needs to do. There's no need for him to be back. No, that's absolutely true. And you know something I've. Learned from doing the um, the Q and A's with people, particularly the one that we did with Bret Hart, but also with with Sean and with others, is that the, the love for those people um, from the crowd. Not just some people just love wrestling, and that's that they don't think about the the individuals themselves. And some people get you know into the we want tables, smashing with chairs, bleed for us, light them on fire, yeah. and those people then those people are idiots. But there are a great deal of people out there that genuinely love they love we love our heroes. And we want them to be well, and we want them to be, you know, physically active, well into their life. And you've only got to look at someone like me. I mean, Mick Foley must have known from the age of 25 what he was going to end up being. Um, and you know, in some ways, Mick is a credit to himself that he is such a, an intelligent man that and he's been able to retain it. But obviously, he's going. You know, he is a, a real indicator that, you know, <laughs> I don't think is Mick 50. I don't think Mick's oh, quite. Fit. Couldn't tell you to be honest. He's, gonna, he's in around that mark, isn't he? I think he's about 50, and you consider that, you know, Mick is only about five years older than Shane. Yeah. And think about how think about how they move and how they walk around or whatever, and it's Very like true. you know, or like Mick would be up, Mick would be younger than Sean, I would think, and it's like you just think about the difference between those you know physical individuals. Mick, I think it's about a little bit younger than Austin. Look at what good shape Austin's in, considering his, you know, litany of neck issues. So you know, Mick Foley serves as a warning really to people about. You know what you what you can end up being like, and but people love Mick and they love Austin and love Sean and and Kurt and Daniel Bryan and so on and so forth. So you know I think it says a lot for the the nice caring nature of of uh, of a great number of wrestling fans that we can still you know love our heroes and want the best for them. It doesn't mean that we necessarily want to see them back in the ring. That said, if Daniel Bryan is deemed fit and uh, can keep himself healthy, then. There's few people in the world that I'd rather see lace the boots up again in the right circumstances. Likewise, likewise. If there's nothing else, then I think we might be at uh, an impasse. I think we've got through the uh, the huge um, backlist of, we've done well. of news over the last couple of weeks. We've done well to fit it into two hours and, 
and still have me uh, not cracking yet. Um, but we do need to uh, mention the Royal Rumble. Um, it'll be uh, towards the end of January, so it is a couple of months away. But um, those months, we always know that these months go quickly. Before you know it, it'll be Christmas, and before you know it, it's the New Year. And once we've got past New Year, and suddenly we're only three weeks away from the Rumble. So uh, nine weeks or so as we're speaking now, but uh, it does mean that we, uh, as soon as Survivor Series is out of the way, our focus, as well as Wrestle Kingdom, turns to the Royal Rumble. And Paul, I heard a whisper that we are going with not one venue for the Royal Rumble. <laughs> nope. Not five, not ten, 14 venues. Is this true? <laughs> yes. Yes, my friend. We're doing 14 Royal Rumble parties. I think I need my oops fat. You're a mad, you're a madman. <laughs> well, mate, it's a credit to the team I've assembled over the years. It's been a long time coming to be able to get this volume. Even a year ago, I would have just had no chance. But I've got a lot of reliable guys in a lot of parts of the country that I trust implicitly. Um, and now it's possible to do this. It's still going to be a massive undertaking, but it can be done. Yes, I didn't like the text that you sent me sending, telling me that I'm doing the one in Aberdeen. That was a bit, of, that was a bit off. But there is no Actually, Aberdeen sorry. party. Sorry, 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 Aberdeen. Sorry, I don't want me to get you, yeah. you excited there, but that, that you're the geographically a very long way away from me. That was what I meant there. Uh, sadly, no Aberdeen show this time. Um, but do you uh, do you have a list? You're gonna have, surely you've got this written down. There's no way you're gonna be able to do this off the top I'm, of your head. Not this week, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the list. I've got it in front of me. So let's start with let's start with the uh, the old guard. So we are we're still we're in London back at the Grand. We loved it there for SummerSlam. We're gonna have a great time for Survivor Series and Wrestle Kingdom, and we're gonna be there for Royal Rumble as well. It's gonna be the biggest party we've done there. I'm quite sure. So we're there. Um, then we've got um, shooters venues in Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, Nottingham, Cardiff and Liverpool. We do all their bars across the country and we love going there. Anyone that's been there to those events will know how good those bars are and um, and appreciate the, the attentiveness of the staff. We have a great time. We're well looked after. We're also going back to walkabouts in Sheffield, Reading and Derby. Um, Again, we had brilliant times there for SummerSlam. We're going to build on that and do even better for Royal Rumble. We were looked after too. Um, we're going to Bournemouth again. We're not going to walk about because that was a, a pretty terrible time all in all. It didn't work out well at all. Um, but we wanted to stay in Bournemouth. The fans were really understanding with the, the, the cock-ups. And so we wanted to reward them by making sure we stayed down. And we actually have. We're going to be at a place called Sharky's Sports Bar. Um, not actually been there in person yet, but the staff and the management have been very good so far. The venue looks incredible. Um, so we're going to be down there. And obviously, obviously, um, anyone that came to our aborted SummerSlam party there will get in gratis. There'll be no charge to get in for that. Um, and then, we've got we've got a good old fast, good old um, hooked on regular as well down at that uh, show. I believe. Mr. Reliable we? Steve Linsky. Yes, he is there. And then, excitingly, we've got two. Uh, sorry, no, I'm, I'm rewind a bit. We're going back to Brighton. We're going to walk about Brighton again after a little hiatus. Again, there were some issues there that have been ironed out after a three you know three quarters of a million pound refurb uh, the tech just wasn't up to scratch before um not the case now it's fantastic that opens in just a week or so's time so we're going to be one of the first major events in there um and then two completely new cities chelmsford we're going to walk about in chelmsford for the first time test the waters on there see what the guys of essex make of us and excitingly for me for the first time we're stepping north of the border we're going to go to glasgow um, and we're at the walkabout in Glasgow for our first ever Scottish Hooked on Wrestling Party. I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy that we were able to do this because it's the thing that, that winds me up the most 
and we had to do it as well when we had our um, Bruce Pritchard tour. But we talk about Bruce Pritchard's tour being, you know, a UK tour. We talked about it being UK and Ireland when we added the Dublin date, but we didn't. It was England. It was England and Ireland because we did mm. Manchester, Birmingham, and London, and every sod does Manchester, Birmingham, and London. And I understand why. And there's there's plenty of um, good economic reasons um, why we're doing 14 shows, 12 of them in England, um, and that's just the way it goes. But I'm so glad that we're into uh, that we're into a Glasgow market, not just because it's the right thing to do, and not just because it means we can legit say it's UK and it's all over the place. Sorry, Aberdeen, but we're at least getting to we're at least getting to Glasgow. But also, that is such a great wrestling city. Too right. I love the shows that we've done in Glasgow when I've been there for um, uh, when we used to do the, the the PSI event shows there with um, with JR and with um, with Sean and, and whatever. Oh my God, I love the Glasgow shows. Great crowds, great people, um, and uh, they were immense fun. So um, that'll be a great night. Um, I know we're keeping our powder dry on who's uh, who's doing what event, but. Uh, Whoever you've got hosting in Glasgow, they're going to have a great time because those people will. I'm certain that the uh, uh, the wrestling fans north of the border will get hooked on wrestling, will get what we're about, um, and will join in the uh, the spirit of things. And listen, it is worth noting. This is not bribery, but it is worth noting for the future that you know we brought Bruce over in the in the summer and we had a good time with Bruce. But we're not done on that front, by the way. Don't expect five a year, but if the right opportunity comes up again, we're going to do it again, aren't we, Paul? We're going to bring someone yeah. over, bring some people over. We're constantly looking at the idea. I would suggest that even since Bruce has been over, we, me and Paul have been through about five, six different ideas, a couple of which we couldn't afford, a couple of which we decided wouldn't have made any money, and a couple of which just wouldn't have been practical in terms of arrangements. But we're always looking at um, these things happening. We've had meetings. We've had all sorts of uh, uh, looks into these things. And so when it comes around and when we get the right, you know, the right spirit to do 700 seaters for an evening with James Ellsworth or whatever it might be <laughs> then we will be looking about where we come to and these parties you know will help us you know to um, to look beyond the normal uh, dare I say normal but you know, the traditional venues so it has to be said if we end up doing three shows with someone there is a very fair chance that those three shows will be in Manchester Birmingham and London because they are huge huge markets that, that people always hit and, and continually make money from but you know Birmingham's not that far from Manchester so if it meant dropping Birmingham in order to go to let's say Brighton and Glasgow or to Cardiff or wherever you know we would we would look into it but if we're running uh, you know pay-per-view viewing parties in Glasgow and getting all, almost no one turn up then you're looking at those dates and saying well why are we going to take someone there and have a poor show on the other hand if this Glasgow one absolutely storms it as I have a sneaking feeling it will do then uh, if, if it sells out the bar and it's an incredible night we wouldn't be able to not go there for uh, for a future tour so um, think about that as well we want you to um, there's, the, there's the full hooked on brand out there and uh, I know there'll be people in uh, that are our regulars in places like Nottingham and Cardiff that are listening to this getting angry with me now going well why haven't you mentioned why haven't you brought people to us as well well you never know you never know. You never know. And, and and talking about bribery, Rob, which that blatantly was, we Yay. did we did promise the guys a uh, an official pre-sale code for Royal Rumble. So these Royal Rumble tickets go on sale at 9 a.m. on Monday. Um, however, if you are privy to a pre-sale code, you can get them anytime you like. They're available now with a pre-sale code. I'm going to give you that. 
Um, for anybody that listens to our podcast, and I'm going to make sure that people know that you can get that on this podcast. So if you want to buy your Rumble tickets now, you just go to ringsideworld.co.uk, select your tickets, and you use the pre-sale access code of, it's all one word in capital letters, over the top rope. Over the top rope, all capitals, no spaces. That is your access code to get pre-sale tickets to all of our Royal Rumble parties. You can get them as soon as you listen to this. They're available. You can be the first ones to choose your, to, to reserve your tickets. That's right. And uh, yes, that's um, both. Both fingers must be on the mouse at the time, or, or something like that. But uh, over the top <laughs> rope is the uh, is the uh, is the code. So make sure you um, you go and uh, take advantage of that by being our. Uh, loyal and wonderful podcast listeners. Um, if it's not apparent, if it hasn't been apparent for the last hour, I really, I really am losing the will to speak. So, um, uh, whereas everyone else is delighted that I'm losing my voice, um, I'm certainly not. So, we will uh, wrap up this podcast at this point. It gets me so excited to think that we started this podcast by talking about Royal Rumbles. Um, so, it's, we're, we're not far off of the whole year, mate. We, this, oh. li- this little podcast that we started that... Um, um, admittedly, is to still broadcast to a small and select band of people. Um, we never in, this was never meant to be the next brand new podcast to come on the block and you know change the world of podcasting. Let's face it, it's, it's just a couple of blokes talking about wrestling with the occasional guest that's a mate of ours. So it's uh, it's hardly um, mind blowingly different in an already saturated world. But we always said that this was not necessarily to uh, attract the biggest audience in the world, but to try and super serve our hooked on. Uh, family, and we, we're very pleased that um, uh, that people listen to this, um, that come to our shows and visit our social media pages and so forth. And we were only going to really plug the Rumble parties and the WrestleMania parties, and then hang it up. But we've ended up sticking around virtually a whole year, so that's been quite good fun, mate. And I'm sure we'll um, look into uh, to doing that continually into 2018. Um, one thing, that, uh, two things that do um, jump to my mind, and there'll be sort of elephants in the room. Go on. One is, one is that uh, I seem to recall having a little bet with you. Um, oh, you did, on, didn't you? On the uh, on the um, the outcome of Plymouth Argyle versus Grimsby. For those wondering, Plymouth Argyle beat Grimsby by a wonderful goal by Graham Carey. Uh, that was my team beating, beating Paul's team, and it meant I could set him uh, a task of coming up with. Uh, well, I had to come up with some um, some wrestling a wrestling theme for him to sing uh, on the show. Um, I put a few choices up onto uh, onto Twitter, and we had a little poll. And the poll that the one that was the winner of the poll was uh, the um, the well known theme uh, to Tough Enough that was also used as Maven's theme when he came to the ringside. I was not in the business of doing Real American or um, HBK or anything like that that was a generic I wanted to make make something a bit different so you're supposed to be singing the theme to Maven somewhat, sometime about now but um, it is fair to say that Paul pre- got prepared for that for last week then we ended up not doing a podcast because I wasn't very well and then even today when he said do you want to do a podcast tonight I think he expected me to say no I feel like shit um, which I do but we've, we've struggled on anyway um, so I don't think you're really prepared and I want you to be at your best you know when they say that going into pay-per-views I don't want you at 50% I want you at 100% because I want to beat the real you there anyway, we go. I, want, I want fully prepared no excuses Paul so if you do it now you'll go oh, I wasn't ready uh, and so I want for the next um, podcast for you to be fully uh, up on the uh, 
the Maven song. So I look forward to that. Fair and enough. the other thing is that ne- this time next week, we anticipate that the uh, the chat will be the fallout from NXT and from Survivor Series. Um, but any news on our second sheep quiz, Paul? Yes, and um, it will be taking place next week. It'll be launched next week, right after Survivor Series. I didn't want it to get lost in the noise this week. So amongst tickets going on sale for Wrestle Kingdom and Royal Rumble, we will have a sheep quiz out next week. Terrific. And if you've... Uh, if you're not familiar with the Sheep Quiz, uh, get familiar with it. You can find it on our Facebook pages from when we did one uh, last month, and we've talked about it extensively on the podcast as well. So there has never, ever been more going on. If you're at a loss to what to do, you can buy a Survivor Series ticket. You can buy a Wrestle Kingdom ticket. You can buy a Raw Rumble ticket. You can get ready for the Sheep Quiz next week. You can prepare yourself for NXT TakeOver. You can watch Survivor Series. You can do anything you like. Just make sure that whatever you do, you enjoy it because it's wrestling. We'll see you very soon. <laughs>